Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about your baby's fussy periods. Babies grow and develop at an astounding rate, but it turns out that those developmental leaps happen at specific times following some not-so-sunshiny days. To give you a heads up, Dr. Franz Ploy is here to walk us through what he calls the Wonder Weeks. Stay tuned. This episode of Breathful is brought to you by Simply Breastfeeding, a prenatal breastfeeding course to help nursing parents feel confident with their newborns. Learn more at birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding and use the code birthful for 15% off. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Care.com, the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care to help make life easier. Go to care.com slash birthful to save 30% when you subscribe. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so very much for listening to the show and all the love you give it. I truly appreciate it. And if you what you hear is helpful, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you'd like to further support this podcast, please support its sponsors, who in this week's case are Simply Breastfeeding and Care.com. And a quick reminder also that if you are around 29 to 34 weeks or near that, then this is the perfect time for you to start preparing for life with a newborn. And to do just that, check out my postpartum preparation course online that is called Thrive With Your Newborn at birthfullcourses.com. This is content that you won't find in your childbirth education classes, nor in newborn care classes, nor frankly anywhere else. So uh, go check it out. Do yourself a huge favor. Go sign up now at birthfulcourses.com. It's going to be a life changer for you. All right. So my guest for this renewed episode today is Dr. Franz Ploy, who is a Dutch ethologist with a background in educational psychology, physical anthropology, and behavioral biology. He has observed infant behavior since 1971 when, together with his wife, Hetty, they observed patterns that led to the idea of regression periods, culminating in the writing of the book, The Wonder Weeks, which has a companion app both of which I adore and highly recommend and why I was so excited to be talking with Dr. Franz today. So here we go. Dr. Franz, welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for being in the show. I'm so happy you're here. So can you tell us more about this concept of a child's fussy stages followed by a developmental leap that you've named the Wonder Weeks? Yeah, certainly. It's a At predictable ages, all babies suddenly become more difficult compared to how they were before. In the first 20 months of life, or the so-called sensory motor stage, there are 10 difficult periods. These difficult periods are, are triggered by sudden dramatic changes in the brain. We call them the big changes. Each of these brain changes opens up another new perceptual world for the baby. After a brain change, The baby can perceive things that it could not perceive before the brain change. And that's frightening to a baby. That is why the baby becomes difficult. It wants to be close to mommy or daddy. Just imagine yourself waking up on a new planet where everything is different. Wouldn't you cling to each other at first? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, five moons and, and, you know, just imagine, just totally different. But then the baby starts making excursions into this new perceptual world. Uh, just like Columbus discovered the new world, the baby is discovering a new world each time. But Columbus did it once, and the baby does it 10 times in the first 20 months. So it's a super Columbus. And uh, the baby starts acting on those new perceptions in, in trying to get them as he likes them best. And in doing so, he's mastering new skills and after each difficult period babies master a whole cluster of new skills all of a sudden you can see your baby doing one new thing after another and that is in fact the developmental leap and because it is progression we call it the wonder weeks 
That's fantastic. And I am so happy you've done all these this uh, observations and con- and uh, sort of come up with conclusions because it is so helpful to new moms. And I really like the analogy of discovering a new planet with five moons and all this because usually how after reading your book and looking at your app how I usually equate it is imagine your baby sees everything in black and white forever and then suddenly wakes up one day and everything's in color like that's how dramatic it is so I think from now on I'll start using the new planet with the five moons because that's even more dramatic (laughs) so I love that thank you um what made you study this in the first place how did you get there what piqued your interest well it was pure coincidence i think that's called serendipity uh my late wife hetty and i discovered the phenomenon in in free living chimpanzees in the gomba national park tanzania east africa where we worked with jane kudel uh, but we did not go there to study this we had planned and prepared a completely different topic concerning the migration of females to other groups and the prevention of inbreeding. And when we arrived, for all sorts of reasons, it turned out to be impossible. <clears throat> and I remember I was sitting on the beach at the shore of Lake Tanganyika and I felt quite low and even considered to stop there and then and go home. And then Hugo Verlawick, the first husband of Jane Goodall, who was also a Dutchman, came up to me and asked what was wrong. And I, I told him and I said, uh, you know, uh, this sucks. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, uh, I prepared well and now it's all in vain. Uh, and then he asked me a question that changed my life. He, he asked, what makes this place so unique? What can you do here that you can do nowhere else? Uh, and my answer was, there's no place on earth where one can get so close to the chimps as in Gombe and where the chimps are so well accustomed to humans. So this is the best place to observe chimpanzee babies because elsewhere one can hardly see them. And he said, well, so there's your solution to, uh, you know, study chimp babies. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know the first thing about babies. I'm not prepared. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I was doubtful at first because I didn't know the first thing. So I had no theory, no working hypothesis, nothing. So I consulted my uh, professor in the Netherlands and he said, okay, you know little about babies, but you were trained as a behavioral biologist to observe consistently and reliably. So start observing chimp babies. And in that way, uh, something is bound to come out. Uh, you know, and I, well, it was encouraging, but I was still doubtful because it's quite a risk investment of time and energy without any guarantee that something comes out. And and my PhD was on the line, you know, if I ended up empty handed after two years, uh, no PhD. So it was a risk investment. Um, the, the kind of work that he was suggesting, it's not, it's, it's not a deductive way of doing research where one has an hypothesis and checks whether it's right or wrong. It's what we call an inductive way of doing research where one hopes something emerges from the data. Uh, in the end, I decided to do it and take the risk. And after two years in the field, and only after we were back in Europe analyzing our field notes, the phenomenon of difficult periods arose from the data. Uh, <clears throat> while the chimpanzee infants became more and more independent over age, at certain ages, temporarily they whimpered more, clung more to their mother, and spent a higher percentage of time much closer to the mother. And, and we could see that because we had done quantitative observations in the, in, you know, in the behavioral biology way. And, and then you end up for each baby with a graph over age, for instance, the percentage of time spent in ventral contact or the percentage of time spent uh, within arm's reach, that sort of thing. So in these graphs, we could see these temporary uh, changes uh, and it's this temporarily clinging more, whimpering more, and, and, and being closer to the mother. So it, 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 it arose in quantitative data that we had get it, you know, carefully. Um, when, when, we, when we discovered the phenomenon, we searched the literature, of course, and, and found a paper by Robert Horridge, who had just appeared in 1974. Mind you, we were in the field in 71, 73. And... Um, he described the same phenomenon in 12 species of monkeys and two non-primate mammals. Uh, 
And it was then that we realized that we had found a very old phenomenon, evolutionarily speaking, uh, that is widespread, at least in mammals. And, um, and we reasoned that if the phenomenon was so widespread in the animal kingdom and present in monkeys and apes, one would expect it also in our own species. And it was then that we decided to study it in human babies and the results we published in scientific papers and in the parenting book, The Wonder Weeks. Mm-hmm. That was your aha <laughs> moment. Uh, well, uh, it, 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 uh, the aha moment came, you know, back in Europe, analyzing data, uh-huh. <laughs> analyzing yeah. reams and reams of data. Oh. Uh, in, in, in the bush, I sometimes thought, what am I doing here? Because, you know, I had to be consistent in my observations and crawling off the chimps through the mud, through the rain, um, all the time speaking my observations into a tape recorder. Um, sometimes, you know, you think, oh, my God, this is going to get nowhere. But then in the end, you analyze your data, it comes out. Yeah, it was quite a leap of faith that you had um, to, you know, struggle through those two years, almost blindly hoping that something would emerge. Um, Unfortunately, for all of us, it did, because this was this is fantastic in helping moms um, during their understanding more about their baby's behavior. We're going to have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code BIRTHFUL when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back talking about your baby's fussy faces or fussy periods. Um, so... When you saw that babies, independently of culture, all had these more difficult stages that were linked to a developmental leap, um, how can parents know that their child is going through one of those fussy phases? What are the signs? Well, the the signs are, it's it's a kind of memory aid we have. The signs are the three C's, crying, clinginess, and crankiness. Uh, It's a useful memory aid, but, but... Remember that the baby just needs to touch base and is only after two things, being near its parents and having their undivided attention. And that expresses itself in crying, clinginess and crankiness. But that's what the baby is after. Um, Other signs may be poor appetite, sleeping poorly or being more babyish than before. And with age, those signs become more complex. For instance, the baby maybe more shy with strangers at a slightly older age, or it may want you to keep him busy, uh, has nightmares, or has the more often um, acts unusually sweet, which is a means to get your attention. And and in the beginning, you fall for it, of course. Um, Is mischievous, throws temper tantrums, is jealous, you know, just to name a few examples. Um, for every leap, the signs that are typical for that age are presented in our book, The Wonder Weeks, in a box called My Diary. Mm-hmm. And so what should parents do when they start seeing this behavior? Because as ha- my daughter's old now, she's 10. But I remember as a new parent, you're thinking, okay, things are changing and they're improving and they're getting better. And when you hit one of those developmental leaps where you see this baby getting clingier and crankier and crying more, it can be very frustrating. Yes, certainly does. Nobody said it would be easy. <laughs> no. So... Uh, mm-hmm. 
But basically what you're asking is what can you do? Yes. To make the leap less difficult or to, to, to make it bearable? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, there, there, there are a number of ways. Um, first of all, it's the best to help yourself as a parent first. That sounds funny, but let me explain. Just like in an airplane, when the ox oxygen masks come down, by helping yourself first, your child has the best chance to survival. Uh, the first thing to help yourself is to realize, uh, you know, with babies, that you are not the only person in the world going through these difficult periods and that it is perfectly normal that all babies and therefore all parents go through these difficult periods. Uh, that gives you uh, literally air to breathe, but uh, uh, it gives you support in times of trouble and it boosts your self-confidence. And I like to compare it to the aeroplane and the oxygen mask. If you don't put the oxygen mask on quickly, uh, you, you know, you, you, you faint and you can't help your child anymore. And, and with difficult babies, um, uh, not realize if you don't know or you, you don't realize that it is normal, uh, you might be, you know, desperate and, 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 and that's not a good state uh, to be in to help your baby. Um, second, um, uh, if you have help yourself and, and you're, you know, you, you know, it's normal, uh, give your baby that all important basic feeling state of safety. As soon as you as a parent understand that your baby um, cannot help being difficult, it's much easier to comfort your baby. And giving your baby a so-called mommy refill, uh, sorry dads, but that's how it's called, uh, does wonders. Um, third, help your baby explore, explore that new world. Uh, try and get into your baby's head, and, and the books helps you to do so, and, and, and see the world through his or her eyes and other senses. In the book, The Wonder Weeks, uh, each new world is described together with the perceptions that your baby may be craving for. And in order to find out about your baby's preferences and talents, listen, so to speak, to your baby every day, observe your baby every day, and try to discover what he or she is, is going for in that world. Leap after leap, you might find, you may find, you know, patterns then of preferences of your baby. And that may be, again, a key to your baby's personality. Um, once you know, it's easier to facilitate what your baby is trying to do or experience. Uh, and your baby will learn faster and, and more easily and with more pleasure if you help him. And it makes it all so much more fun. Mm -hmm. And fourth... The book, The Wonder Weeks, gives hints on how to help your baby play and learn. It, it supplies a range of ideas of different games, songs, activities and toys so that you can choose those best suited to your baby. I mean, no baby is the same and every baby has its own preferences. And it's a challenge for parents to find out the preferences and the talents uh, and the personality of their baby. And um, yeah, I think yeah, those four things are in general what you can do. Mm -hmm. And I love how in the book it's customized to each leap according to what will develop. So the suggestions of the games, even though the way it might be manifested is similar in, in that the baby is saying, hey, I want to be closer to you and I need you to pay more attention to me by crying and clinging and being cranky. The games that you can play or things to help smooth that development are that, that you suggest in the book are tied to that leap that they're going through. So in some points it might be peekaboo, where in other points is more putting, you know, stacking and putting things inside of, of nesting dolls. So that's yeah. very, yeah, those are great. It's great how, how you've laid it out. Um, so I, I forgot to ask you, how long do these stages last? Well, initially they are short just a few days at most a week uh, you know in the first one two months three months but later they may last as long as four to six weeks okay and this is we're talking four to six weeks is more when they're the child is closer to to two ages two years old no no the the first um, uh, initially the first three months they are rather short and then all of a sudden they become longer so with the leap of events that's uh, you know uh, uh, around four months, um, uh, and I talk about it later, um, um, then they are already, they might be as short as one, but as long as six weeks. So then, then they, they lengthen after, after, let's say, four months. 
Okay. So do these stages, did you find that they coincide or overlap with what we traditionally consider growth spurts? Do those relate at all? No, they are, they are mental leaps, not physical growth spurts. Uh, we had a look at it and the mental leaps do not co coincide with the, the classical growth spurts, such as a sudden increase in body length. Uh, what does happen, though, is that the mental leaps f shortly follow major dramatic changes in the brain. And one of those changes in the brain is simply the sudden increase in volume. In, in the first year of life, the total volume of the brain more than doubles. And this doesn't go gradually, but it goes shockwise. And if one measures the head circumference... Uh, one can see age-related peaks in rate of growth. Uh, I always show it with my hands. I go around my head and then I shockwise, I go outward. So it's like uh, poof, poof, poof. Uh, this brain all of a sudden is larger and it goes nearly overnight. Um, and that's one of the big changes uh, in the brain. There are all sorts of other changes happening inside the brain. But, but, but uh, if you wish... Uh, the mental leaps come out of uh, a growth spurt of the brain, if you wish. Okay, so not directly tied to it, but somehow following it, some of them, maybe. Well, no, no the, the, the growth spurts, no, sorry, I, I'm confusing maybe a little bit. Uh, we looked at, the, at how the mental leaps and the classical physical growth spurts, if they were related in time, and they are not. Uh, there are many gross, physical growth spurts, you know, increases in length, that sort of thing of the of the, of the body, and, and that doesn't go doesn't coincide with the mental leaps at all. But one common thing is that the brain uh, um, shockwise grows in the first one two years um, dramatically. Okay, so so and that one we can't see because we can't really see so much inside the head, the brain growing. Although the head itself will get a bit bigger. Yeah, you can you could measure that. Do you remember when we, you know, I put my children, I, I also my grandchildren against the door, and you you put a line, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you keep track of the physical growth, and then you can see that if you do it regularly you can see that certain lines are very close together and all of a sudden there's an, a large interval and, and that's when they have such a physical growth spurt. If you do the same thing you know uh, measuring this head circumference um, which everybody can do simply uh, you can also see that it stays the same it stays the same for a while and all of a sudden it's larger and then it stays for some time same, more or less the same and all of a sudden it's larger. So uh, there you can, and certainly in the first half year, it's very clear. So you could do that if you like. Okay. We, I encourage mamas out there to, to do that and get their head circumferences because they know they're going to need bigger hats too. Let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. I often found it overwhelming when trying to find a sitter for my daughter. It was hard to even know where to start, and so that's why I'm excited to have found Care.com. I can't believe I hadn't looked into this great resource before. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care, and their website is set up to help you narrow down the choices around where you live, as well as provide tools like background checks, reference checks, qualifications, and certifications to make the process so much easier. Before I went exploring on the site, I had this idea that it was only a place to look for babysitters, but that's really just the start. Aside from finding someone to take care of your kids, you can also find help for caring for your parents, your pets your home, or even someone to run errands for you. I can see this being a super helpful resource during postpartum, so much so that I'm going to start telling my doula clients about Care.com as well. When searching on the website amongst the different types of sitters, I chose state night sitter and then was asked how soon I needed the care, with options being within a week, within a month, or right now. Right now? Uh, this could even be a great addition to the unpredictable doula life. You can join Care.com for free as a basic member and start searching right away for great local caregivers. Once you upgrade to premium membership, then you can reach out to them, schedule interviews, do background checks, and even book and pay for care online or through their app. As a birthful listener, you can save 30% off a Care.com premium membership by visiting Care.com slash birthful before you subscribe. That's Care.com slash birthful for 30% off a premium membership. 
Could you describe one of the stages, for example, the world of events that you mentioned, which tends to be a rather long one, and uh, walk us through what we could expect to happen? Okay. Um, well, the, the, the fussy period or the, the first phase of this leap into the world of events is age-linked and starts at, at approximately 15 weeks or three and a half months after full-term birth, um, with a variation, mind you, of between 14 and 17 weeks. Somewhere in between it starts approximately 15 weeks. The second phase of this leap, where the baby shows a need to play and master new skills, starts around 19 weeks or four and a half months. And this is called Wonder Week 19 because new progress starts here. Um, the fussy period of this leap lasts longer than before. Uh, usually it lasts five weeks, although it may be as short as one or as long as six, as I just said. And you know that the fussy period has started if your baby is crying more and clinging more or demanding more attention and shows at least two of the following signs. She may lose her appetite. She may have trouble sleeping. She may show more babyish behavior, such as the need for more head support. Uh, around that age, they all of a sudden, their, their head might you know, fall down uh, limply uh, if you don't support it with your hand, just typical for newborn babies. Uh, and, and this comes back all of a sudden. Um, uh, she may be shy with strangers or, or she may be listless. Uh, if, if, um, if the crying and, and, and demanding attention and the contact together with two of those, then you have a regression period. Um, the leap not only affects your baby, but may affect you as a parent as well. Uh, first of all, you may be exhausted during the fussy period, most mothers complain increasingly of fatigue, headaches, nausea, backaches, or emotional problems. And they blame their symptoms on lack of sleep, having to constantly carry their little screamers, or worrying about their unhappy infants. But, but, but the real cause of these symptoms is the stress of constantly coping with a cranky baby. The real problem is that they are nearing the end of their tether. Some mothers even visit their family doctor and are prescribed an iron supplement or go to the physio physiotherapist for their back troubles. And I think a good remedy is to make time for yourself and give yourself a treat now and then. You have to organize it. You, have, you ask your mother, your, your, your partner, and, and have a good night's sleep or, or something like that. And um, remember, the fussy period will only last a number of weeks and then the sun will shine again. Uh, second, the second way it, it may affect you as a parent, that uh, you may feel trapped. Towards the end of a fussy period, a mother sometimes feels so confined by her baby's demands that she almost feels she's in prison. And uh, it's no wonder that mothers sometimes wish their baby would just disappear for a while. Sounds horrible, but it happens. Mm -hmm. um, the third way um, uh, it, it may affect you, you may feel resentful. After a few weeks of living with a fussy baby, you may be shocked to find that you are beginning to resent this demanding little person who disrupts your life so much. Uh, don't blame yourself. This is an understandable and surprisingly common reaction. Uh, many mothers grow more irritated toward the end of a fussy period. They are convinced their baby has no valid reason for making such a fuss and they are inclined to let their babies cry a little longer than they used to. Some begin to wonder what spoiling actually means and think that they may be giving it into his whims too much. Uh, they may also begin to wonder if they should be teaching the little ones to consider that mothers have feelings too. And even now and then, a, a mother may feel a surge of aggression towards her persistent little screamer, especially when the baby won't stop crying and the mother is at her wit's end. Uh, having these feelings is not abnormal and, and you know, uh, you're not alone if you have them and it's not abnormal, it's not dangerous, but acting on them is. And if you feel a tendency to act on them, get help long before you lose control. Shaking, especially shaking can be harmful. Uh, remember, while it's normal to feel frustrated and angry with your baby at times, never shake a baby. Shaking a young child can easily cause internal bleeding in the spine just below the skull, which can result in brain damage that may lead to learning difficulties later on, or even death. At approximately 
19 weeks or four and a half months, you will notice that your baby is trying again to learn new skills. Uh, because this is the age when babies generally begin to explore the world of events. Um, the, 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 the difficult period, uh, you know, is coming to an end and they start exploring. The, the word event has a special meaning here and has nothing to do with special occasions. Uh, in fact, here it means a short, familiar sequence of smooth transitions from one pattern or sensation or intensity to the next. Uh, sounds like a mouthful, I know. Let's try to explain what it means. Uh, the realization that our experience is split up into familiar events is something that we as adults take for granted. For example, if we see someone drop a rubber ball, we know it will bounce back up and will probably continue to bounce several times. If someone jumps up into the air, we know that she is bound to come down. We recognize the initial movements of a golf swing and a tennis serve, and we know what follows. But your baby, for to your baby, everything is new and nothing is predictable. Most babies will start to perceive and experiment with short familiar sequences at this age. And this new ability will affect a baby's entire behavior. You may now see him trying to shake playthings from side to side or up and down. Uh, he may also attempt to press, push, bang or beat a toy repeatedly. And besides repeating the same movement, he may now learn to perform a short sequence of different movements smoothly. For instance, he may grab an object with one hand and try to pass it to the other hand. Or he may grab a plaything and immediately attempt to put it in his mouth. That's a short, familiar sequence. He is capable of turning a plaything around and looking at it from every possible angle. In addition, your baby may now learn how to adjust the movements of his body, especially his upper arm, lower arm, hand and fingers to reach the exact spot where the plaything lies. And he can learn to correct his movements towards the object as he goes along. As long as an object is within arm's reach, your little one will now actually be able to reach out and grasp the object of his choice. Uh, when your baby is toying with these movements, you may see him twist and turn. He, he may now learn to roll over and spin on his back more easily. He may also make his first crawling attempts because he's now capable of pulling his knees up, pushing off and stretching. He may also learn to make short series of sounds now. If he does, he will develop his chatter, which started after the previous leap, to include alternating vowel and consonant sounds. He will gradually use all of these sounds to speak in so-called sentences. Uh, you know, like abababatata. <laughs> uh, that's what adults fondly call baby talk. Uh, you could say he is now able to become just as flexible with his voice as he is with the rest of his body. All over the world, babies start making these short so-called sentences when they reach this age. For example, Russian, Chinese and American babies all babble in the same way initially. But eventually, uh, in, in, you know, within a few months, the babies will start to develop their babble sounds into proper words of their native, native language. And they will stop using the universal babble sounds. Uh, and it is also then, and experiments have been done with this, that uh, comparing Chinese and, and um, uh, American babies, uh, that the Chinese prefer their uh, mother tongue and the American babies prefer theirs. Or the Chinese children start to prefer Chinese music and the American babies start to prefer American music. So, um, you know, then they're learning. But, but the initial ability to, to start babbling, that's given by this perception of short familiar sequences. Your baby may now begin to recognize a short series of flowing sounds as well. She may be fascinated by a series of notes running smoothly up and down a musical scale. Uh, she may now respond to all voices that express approval and she may be startled by voices that scold. 
and and your your baby may also start to recognize short familiar tunes such as let's say the opening tune of the fist of beethoven da 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 that's a, the kind of tune a short familiar sequence that which they start be able to perceive and to and to recognize um your baby may now learn to see a short familiar sequence of images in endless examples, all disguised as normal everyday activities or events, such as someone shaking his bottle up and down, uh, stirring in a saucepan, hammering a nail, opening and closing a door, slicing bread, filing nails, brushing hair, the dog scratching itself, someone pacing back and forth in the room and the whole range of other events and activities. Mm -hmm. And when you put it that way, it's fascinating to like, consider and think of all the things that these babies are going through and how how much of their daily life how, that we take for granted is changing and they're figuring out and how there's no way they could be manipulating you because they're just figuring out that they can move their hand much you know manipulating takes it, it, you've got to know a bunch of stuff before you can even get to that level of, of brain um thinking or, or activity um and i really like that you started this session by talking about mom self-care and parent self-care and and making sure that they pay attention because the baby will cry. The baby will be clingy. The baby will make his or her needs known. Whereas it's harder for the mom to take her own needs into account when they're going through those phases. So that's just fascinating to me. It makes me want to read your book over again. <laughs> yeah, well, let me, let me uh, if there's still time, yeah. uh, I, will, uh, I want to point out... Um, um, uh, two more uh, more general characteristics of um, um, events. Mm -hmm. uh, first, as adults, we usually experience an event as an inseparable whole. We do not see a falling, rising, falling ball, but we see a bouncing ball. And even when the event has only just begun, we already know it is bouncing a bouncing ball. As long as it continues, this remains one and the same event, an event for which we have a name. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a unitary thing, uh, the way we perceive it. Second, most events are defined by the observer. For instance, when we speak, we don't separate the word clearly. This has been analyzed. It, it, it is just one blur if you analyze it on, on a scan. Uh, you know, it runs one into the next without a pause. Uh, certainly when uh, we have our daily speech. Uh, the listener creates the boundaries between the words, giving the impression that they are heard one at a time. And it is exactly this special power of perception that will begin to be available to your baby between 14 and 17 weeks. And <clears throat> we, we don't realize how special it is because it's so, it's so normal to us. Um, uh, one more thing, with, with all this experimentation, with the discoveries that your baby makes in the world of events, uh, she will also become tremendously interested in everything going on around her. Uh, this may now occupy most of her waking hours. You are no longer, as a parent, her only toy. Uh, she may now have less time to spare for her old cuddling games. And some parents feel a little rejected, rejected by this. Um, some people have used the metaphor of an eggshell within which mother and newborn baby live in intimate symbiosis during the first four months. And with this leap of events, the baby is breaking out of this egg and into the world. And um, uh, even so, she still needs your help just as much as ever. Um, your baby's fascination with the whole world around her is typical of this age. And, you probably have begun to sense these new needs and, and your main contribution can be supplying your baby with enough playthings and waiting to see how she responds. Only if you note that this waiting, this waiting and not doing immediately something is, I think, very important. Parents have a tendency to grab it out of the hands of their baby and, you know, give an example, uh, do it for them. Um, try and, and, and restrict, restrain yourself and, and watch, observe. 
uh, and, and because that gives the baby the opportunity to experiment. Only if you notice that that she or he has real difficulties in fully understanding a toy, uh, should you give her a hand. You also want to keep an eye for your baby to make sure that she uses her hands, feet, limbs and body properly when reaching out to grab objects, so for instance. If you see that she has a particular problem, you can help her to practice activities like rolling over, turning and sometimes even crawling, sitting or standing up uh, for, for the, quick, the quickies. Um, um, body movement, manipulation and examination are not the only things that need a helping hand. You can also help your baby explore the new world of events through sight, language and music. In, in, in the Wonder Weeks, there is a list of top games that you can play with your baby and a list of top toys uh, that help your baby to explore this world. Um, when your baby is learning new skills, she may sometimes try your patience. And that's also important, I think, to say that, that the difficult period is over, but, but, but the babies may still be trying in a sense I mean, both you and your baby have to adjust to the progress and renegotiate, so to speak, the rules to restore peace and harmony. Uh, remember, from now on, your baby will no longer be completely dependent on you for her enjoyment, having broken out of the eggshell, since she is now in touch with the world around her. So she can do and understand a lot more than she did in the past. And of course, she thinks she knows it all. Uh, you may think she is a handful or he... Uh, she thinks you are. If you if you recognize this behavior, you could say you're having the first independent struggle with your infant. Uh, and and now we're on, on this. Uh, hurting someone is not funny. And now your baby is stronger and understands the world of, of events. She is also capable of causing physical pain. She may bite, chew and pull at your face, arms, ears and hair. She may pinch and twist your skin and sometimes uh, she may bite your nipple and, and sometimes she will do this hard enough that it really hurts. And most mothers feel that their babies could easily show a little more consideration and respect for others and they are no longer amused. And, and some mothers rebuke their babies if they get too excited. They do this by letting them know immediately that they have gone too far. Usually they do this verbally, by saying ouch, loudly and sternly. Uh, if they notice that a baby is preparing to launch a new attack, which they usually do, they warn with uh, careful. And th at this age, babies are perfectly able to understand a cautioning voice. Uh, occasionally, a mother will really lose her temper uh, and you can imagine if, if a baby really bites full force in your nipple. Mm -hmm. One should never act on such a feeling of anger. And all your baby may inflict physical pain on you. Uh, he is not doing it on purpose. Uh, he is experimenting uh, and not realizing the consequences uh, for you. So giving your baby an eye for an eye is not acceptable. And it certainly does not teach him not to hurt his mother, but uh, it's good that people know that these things happen and, and, and that you, on the one hand, you should, you should not say, oh, he's so small, he can't help it. Uh, you, you can, you can uh, indicate limits, as I explained, with ouch and careful. Uh, and and um, on the other hand, um, uh, the baby is not doing it on purpose. And so, you know, the, 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 a bit of understanding is helpful there. Um, between 20 and 22 weeks, and that's finishing this event thing, another period of comparative calm begins. Uh, and many mothers praise their baby's uh, initiative and love of enterprise. And during this time, the calm before the next term, so to speak, most babies are more cheerful and parents delight in this less troubled, well-deserved time. And that's the end of that leap. And then I will say uh, it's not that babies then stop learning about events. Uh, in fact, they keep on for many months learning about events and, and, and even adults still learn about events. Uh, I was saying when I uh, am hammering a nail and I make a mistake, I'm learning about events and what, I'm, what, what I am doing wrong. So, you know, the learning about events goes on all your life, but uh, soon there will be a next leap and a, and, and a new perceptual world be, will be entered. And of course, then that will have priority in, in attention. Uh, but the learning about 
events and uh, effect about all the leaps will not end at the end of the leap. It will continue during the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. So right, the, each leap is kind of like setting the groundwork for that first time they learn about, in this case, about events. And obviously it's something we continue to learn throughout our whole life, but that's where the brain is capable to consider, ah, the, you know, the ball goes up and down and up and down and up and down, and then it's because it got bound and, you know, fell or thrown and, and consider that as something that is an event. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I noticed in the book, you consider start parents you ask parents to start counting the stages based on a child's gestational age so on their due date and not when they're actually born um what considerations if any should parents take into account given the due dates themselves are not really 100 percent accurate uh well let me first say that nature's timing of the big changes in the developing infant's nervous system start at conception and uh, birth has very little to do with this timing uh, birth may be early it may be late but the timing goes on and runs its own course so first of all we should realize that and if a mistake has been made in calculating the due date for all sorts of reasons and yes that's 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 uh, possible uh, parents will find out soon uh, they will notice that the difficult periods systematically start earlier or later than predicted on the basis of the calculated due date. And even when the due date has been calculated correctly, uh, you have to realize there's some natural variation between babies in the onset of the difficult periods of a few days or later a few weeks. Uh, for instance, we have seen with the events, uh, the, the leap into the world of events, the onset of the difficult period uh, varies between 14 and 17 weeks and some babies start at 14 and, 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 and another one at 17 and everything in between. So there is a source of, um, of variation and, and um, as well, even when you have calculated correctly. Okay. And w- what about for um, premature babies? Is, does it stay the same? Yeah, because they have been born early. So uh, you, you correct for that, and that's it. The, 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 as I said, the nature's timing just runs its course. And, 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 and birth is, uh, it might be early, it might be late, but that doesn't affect the, the nature's timing, the timing of the big changes. Okay, fantastic. Um, I happen to have, obviously, your book and the app, um, which is great because it gives you alarms of when you're, you put your due date in and then it gives you specific to your child when those leaps will be, you, you can, you can, are going to happen. And it gives, and it even sets an off an alarm that a leap is coming. Um, but I noticed that in the timeline chart, there's a gray area between the fifth and the sixth leap, somewhere around the 29th week. That's not quite a wonder week, but it's gray. What happens during that period? Yeah, the, uh, it's indicated as, as gray instead of black to, to make a difference. The fussy and irritable behavior at around 29 or 30 weeks is not a telltale sign of another leap. Uh, the baby has simply discovered here that his mommy can, or his father, but let's, let's say mommy is father, is everything, caretaker. Mommy can walk away and leave him behind. And funny as this may sound, but this is progress. It's a new skill. Uh, the leap into the world of relationships towards the age of six months has enabled the baby to perceive, among many other things, distances between two objects or, or between two people, such as his mother and himself. And he is, uh, he is learning uh, the skill uh, and he's learning and trying to keep that distance within the bounds preferred by him. If she all of a sudden runs away, of course, bah, because uh, he loses control over the distance to his mother. If his mother is around, he might make an excursion away from her. He might come back, but he has things more or less under control. Uh, But if she, for instance, dashes away because uh, her partner uh, forgot something and she dashes out of the dirt to to bring it or something like that, um, then all of a sudden control is taken away from the baby and and you have all this, 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 this yelling. 
uh, but that's because you take away control from him and 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 it's not because he he feels bad uh, uh, because of a difficult period um Margaret Mahler, she's a famous uh, um, um, uh, psychiatrist, and she called this the checking back pattern uh, or checking where the mother is still there. They, they had play groups uh, in those days in New York, and, and, and uh, she noticed that the babies are all the time checking back and keeping, keeping track of where's mom and do I have things under control because she may leave and I don't want that. So they're just making sure they're safe. <laughs> just checking back. Yay. It's, it's called attachment behavior. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Franz, this has been fantastic. If our listeners want to follow what you're doing, follow more about the Wonder Weeks, get in contact, how can they do, how can they do that? Well, the, the best portal is www.thewonderweeks.com. And there you find the entrance to, to, to social media, to more uh, background, scientific background, um, you name it. Fantastic. So from there, they can dig deep and find other views. If they're more into Facebook, if they're more into Twitter, then they can choose their, their poison as it was. Um, yes, that's the portal. Yeah, thank you so much for this. Thank you for your knowledge and being generous with your time and for all that initial, for not giving up that first time when your original um, study was didn't go as the way you wanted it to when you were in Tanzania and had the sense of mind to be open to other possibilities and give us all this wonderful knowledge and information. Okay, well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to be in your in your show and uh, and talk about it. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're looking to prepare for life with your newborn, then go to birthfulcourses.com and sign up. Do it before baby arrives to avoid unnecessary struggles. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Simply Breastfeeding and Care.com. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful podcast is part of the Parents on Demand network. Learn more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Friday when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast because there are calm spaces between contractions. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.